And now, brought to you by Muquano Coffee Roasters, www.muquanocoffee.com. Coming to you live, and by that we mean not really live, from Gutcheck World Headquarters in the capital city of a boxing glove-shaped state, and Gutcheck South Command, deep in the belly button above the buckle of the Bible Belt, it's the Gutcheck Podcast, with your hosts, Ted Cluck and Zach Bartles. Hey, welcome to the Gut Check Podcast. I am Ted Cluck, joined as always, <laughs> as not as always, always. <laughs> joined as never in studio by my good friend. Joined sporadically. Joined sporadically in studio by my good friend and my partner in, in Gut Check Radio, Zachary Bartles. Zach, it's been a long time since we've done this. Let's just acknowledge the elephant in the room right away. I'm excited to do this with you again. Because it's something that I always enjoyed doing, and uh, I think we got to knock the rust off, and we got to get right into it. And here's what I feel good about, okay? I actually feel good about the fact that we're supposed to record at 3. It's 3.17, and we spent those 17 minutes, like, jacking around with various technology issues. That makes it feel like old times, and uh, that makes me happy. That's where I'm at on it. It's just a weird thing, though. I mean, like, I, I know that uh, you have a couple other podcasts yeah. uh, that you do yeah. uh, on a weekly basis, yeah. and uh, I have another podcast that I do as as close to on a weekly basis as possible, uh-huh. um, and I've been on two different other people's podcasts recently, and I'm assuming, I, I can speak for my end, and I'm assuming on your end as well, <laughs> there hasn't been a bunch of janking around with audio technology at the beginning of each thing. You know, and it's I, only when we come together. I say this as the as the best of friends. There's absolutely no jacking around on this other podcast, and I don't ask a lot of questions. Right, mine about neither. It. I don't. I don't know why. I don't know why on our show there is there is so much jacking around. But uh, nevertheless, I'm I'm glad to be here, baby, and I'm glad to be doing this because. We have a very timely, pressing thing to talk about. The movie Top Gun, Maverick. Uh, I saw it last night. You saw it a couple days ago. We're both eager to chop it up about this movie. But before we do that, we've, we've got just some gut check business to get into. You got some emails that you want to lay on me? We got emails. We got, well, I think we need to do a little Kickstarter update. I mean, people have, Dude. have gone in uh, all in with their, their pocketbooks. With their pocketbooks. So they books. deserve it. Yeah. So Flex 3, The Dog Lives, uh, my third graphic novel. The Kickstarter was live for like 20 minutes, and I feel like it funded immediately. So shout Rebus. out, hat tip to the Gut Check Army, um, the good people behind all of this media decadence. And by all of this media decadence, I mean one podcast in like six months, um, in addition to some great books, though. So we we signed, we made a deal with the great Megan Tennant, uh, the great artist, the great cartoonist Megan Tennant is doing all the original artwork for the book. And uh, baby, I couldn't be more thrilled. I'm super, super excited about it. Yeah, and I think that it's on schedule. I say think because um, much to my delight. Yeah. Megan Tennant has, she's not Tennant, she's now Megan Barada. Oh yeah, my bad, my bad. And she offered to uh, not only do the art for it, but also lay the book out. So kind of it's out of my hands, which is a, a place that I like for it to be. Yeah. Uh, and in the hands of somebody who has the not only the technological tools, but the training yeah. uh, to do a better job. It's going to be undoubtedly the most professional looking gut check book there's been. And I, I'm excited to get a hold of it. Yeah, I can't wait, dude. I'm, I've seen some of the early concept art for Megan Barada, and uh, I got to tell you, I was, I was thrilled with it. 
it fired me up. So, um, Megan, we appreciate what you do. Um, we are thrilled to break ground on this book and get it going and hopefully get it in people's hands soon, baby. Um, what else do you have to share with me gut check wise? All right. Well, I mean, we got to go back a little bit here to get to this stuff. Uh, I haven't really answered anything because I figured I'd wait and see if we did this again. Yeah. I didn't know what to tell people. Um, Aziel, is that how you say it? I don't know. Aziel wants to send us energy drinks. Yeah. He wants to know where he, where he can send them. Yeah. Should I tell him to send them to you and then we'll try and get them, do them together at some point? I think so. I think that's the move. Absolutely. I, I feel bullish on us getting together at some point. And uh, whenever that point is, that's when we'll we'll have some energy drinks. So yeah, I would nice. say I would say yes to that. Got a beautiful congrats note from uh, Grant Smith about the funding. Nice. Um, Charles Weebus, of course, is is the ultimate patron the of the arts when it comes yeah, to Gut Check. Yeah. yeah, patron of the arts here at Gut Check worldwide. Um, what do you hear from Charles Weebus lately? I, I mean, the only thing I heard was uh, it wasn't with words, but with dollars coming yeah. uh, Gut Check way. <laughs> it, what he was saying with that was, I still love you. Yeah, he was. I... I, for one, enjoy that kind of dialogue where there's no words and just money coming our way. Um, yeah. In fact, I feel like in my life, I have a lot of the other kind of dialogue in which people wear me out with their words and I don't get any money. So yeah. this kind... This... No, it's disappointing when you get all the way to the end of a conversation <laughs> and no one has handed you money. And no one's handed you... I know. And I feel like this happens to me so often. Um, Rude. Yeah. Yeah, I know it. I know it. Baby, how do you... I want to I get right to the heart of the matter here. How do you feel about doing radio with me again? Um, it's been a long time since we've done radio. There was a, there was like a furtive exchange of texts a few months ago when you were in a, an especially low ebb where you were like, I think it's done. I think it's over. What were you looking for when you dangled that rhetorical hook in the water? I want to go into the psychology of this for a minute. Uh, I, don't know. I thought it was done. I thought it was over. Yeah? So you weren't looking yeah. for anything. Did you want me to woo? Did you want me to pursue? No, I mean... I, honestly, with uh, you, you aren't equipped to to pursue in in the podcast world um, because you're great with the content. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to someone having to put together the the audio and and do all the the stuff, especially on the gut check tip where we don't use like a service <laughs> yeah. uh, that we have to pay for every month, but rather upload things manually and update feeds manually and stuff. Um, I, I just kind of felt like I didn't have the the margin, the bandwidth, whatever whatever mm. buzzword at the moment to do it. And it didn't seem like you were uh, chomping at the bit to do it either. So I don't know. I, I, I simultaneously don't like things to end, but also really don't like when things should end and everyone's in denial. Yeah, that's true. I, uh, I don't like that either. Like, would you on a season 12 of Cheers? I wouldn't want a season 12 of Cheers right now. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't want a season 12 of Cheers either. Okay. <laughs> but you know what I didn't know that I wanted, but I, I did actually want it? Was a second Top Gun. Oh my gosh, yes! Um, maybe we just cut out everything that we just said right up until this point. I feel like it was all, it was all bad. Um, <laughs> it was really bad and depressing. <laughs> I don't know. It's funny. Uh, when you put that hook in the water, what were you looking for? 
I don't know. I didn't know. I didn't know. See, here's the thing. Now, I guess we're doing more minutes on the, the sad thing. I didn't know if you... <laughs> I didn't know if you wanted sort of tacit permission from me to, like, put the final bullet into the, into the you know, wounded animal that is the Gut Check podcast, or if you wanted me to, like get down on the animal and do like CPR on it. You know what I mean? Either one is good. Just watching it like laying there, you know, like when you hit a, you hit a deer with your car. Yeah. And it's just laying there kind of like lurching and, and, you know, blood bubbles from the nostrils. It's sad. Take it to the vet or run it over again, you know, like, and I don't know what we've decided to do. I don't either. (laughs) I don't know what we've decided to do either, but I was eager to record after I saw Top Gun. Um... Because right. I, I feel like the experience of seeing Top Gun was a certain kind of American movie viewing experience that I hadn't had in a long time. In that the theater was full, people were like cheering, um, everybody went and saw the movie, like moms, kids, dads, grandpas, old people, young people. It was one of those movies that everybody saw. That doesn't make it a great movie, but it was a really fun two hours, and... I texted you a bunch of talking points on it. Do you want to just get into these? Yeah, let's do it. I have a question for you, a conceptual question. Captain Pete Mitchell, good hang? Like, he lives in a hangar, like, surrounded by pictures <laughs> of himself and motorcycles. And goose. Is he a good hang or not? And I, I really want to know. I'm curious. Um, I mean, if you live in a hangar, then it seems like you'd be a good hang. But uh, I think, no, I think... He takes himself all the time so seriously. Yeah. That moment when, after he got like playfully ejected from the bar. Yeah. And <laughs> was standing there sullenly just looking through the glass. That was emblematic was of like, everything you need to know about Pete Mitchell, I think. <laughs> yeah, you want him by your side when you're on the mission. Yeah. If you're a lady, you, you want him... You know, like, uh, to to woo you extra earnestly. Yeah. Although it's getting a little sadder, you know, with every Tom Cruise movie. Yeah. Uh, but honestly, dude, I can't believe that man is 60. Good grief. He took his shirt off and played football on the beach homoerotically yeah. instead of volleyball. Yeah. And I was like, that guy's 60? I'll never be in that good of shape. And I never have been. Do you think that he would be a good hang? Uh... I don't, for a lot of the reasons that you've gotten into. Okay. He's the kind of guy that always has to, like be the best at everything, and that guy, that kind of yes, guy is that's almost never a fun hang. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he's got he's to show you up yeah. and yeah, probably point out where you screw up and, like, steal your girl. And, yeah, he's, he's definitely good to watch on TV. Just like a lot of people are, like, Dwight Schrute is hilarious to watch on TV, but you'd murder him in real life, too. Like, I mean, I think those are two different categories. Somebody who'd be a really good hang maybe would be really boring to watch fly fighter jets, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I want to do a minute on the hangar itself, though. I thought it was really cool. Like, when they when they cut to the hangar and they kind of panned around and, and you had that moment of realization where you're like, oh my gosh, this is where he lives. Uh, the, like, 12-year-old boy in me was like, oh my gosh, I want to live there. That looks so cool and fun. Um, where are we at on the whole, like, living in a hangar aspect of Sergeant Pete Mitchell. I got to confess, I, I didn't walk away from the theater thinking he lived in the hangar, but I might just not have been paying attention, I guess. <laughs> there was loud boomers behind me and Calvin. Yeah. And uh, I, I, I missed some of the movie because I was doing the, like, 
craning my neck and glaring at them thing a lot. <laughs> so yeah. I don't know. I, I saw like his his sort of beautiful collage of pictures of him and Goose. Yeah. Uh, and I thought maybe that was just sort of his workspace, you know, where he kept his toolbox and stuff to work on. Uh, planes. I like your interpretation much better, so I'm going to just run with it. Yeah. Living in a hangar would be awesome, akin to living in a fire station or something. Yeah, or like like for me, living in a stadium or whatever, some some sort of like fantastical place of your of your youth or whatever. Um, all right, I want to talk about another erotic thing. You mentioned the homoerotic football scene. Mm. Where are we at in the erotic sailing scene that he was supposed to have with Jennifer Connelly? I feel like sailing scenes in like Hunt for Red October were more erotic than that sailing scene was supposed to be. Yeah. Um, it didn't work at all. I gotta say, it's hard for me to assess the situation with Jennifer Connelly without sounding like <laughs> um, like a really bad person, like especially in today's current climate. Yeah. Um, and I'm gonna just risk it. Because I know the gut check army, yeah. and I trust them not yeah. to take anything out of context or attribute to me really bad motives that I don't have. Yeah. The background here is, in the mid-90s, I was so in love with Jennifer Connelly mm-hmm. that I think I probably put her on a higher pedestal than any other actress of, of all time. Wow. That's high praise. Well, you know, it was there was the movie Career Opportunities, which was John Hughes's huge flop that I absolutely loved, mm-hmm. uh, just loved because of the bottle episode thing of being all in a Target, the original introduction of Dumont Mulroney to the world, uh, mm. and and the rest of it. But but she was also in my favorite action movie, which was called um, not now, but then my favorite action movie was called The Rocketeer, yeah, and. It was like this. I don't know if you saw it. It was a guy with a, a jet pack. Yeah. yeah, I totally saw it. It was awesome. Uh, Timothy Dalton was the bad guy. Yeah. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, and it has a lot of like flying, but like yeah. like World War II era, you know, like uh, biplane type stuff. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it's amazing. And she is, again, I'm, I'm, I'm at the risk of, of sounding awful by commenting or noticing in any way a woman's <laughs> appearance. Yeah, you can't um, do that anymore. In that movie. Yeah. Well, I'll just say that in the it was a different time, and in the '90s, uh-huh. uh, young Zach um, really, really, really thought that that uh, she was the most beautiful woman who had ever lived. Uh huh. And when I saw her on this movie, I thought to myself, "What was that young guy thinking?" Yeah. And, and this is not this is not so much an assessment on oh she got older or anything. Yeah. Uh, or or you know got skinny or whatever the case, but more on the lack of chemistry with Tom Cruise, yeah. but in a way that implied to me that if she was in a movie with anybody, yeah. she would have a lack of chemistry. Yeah. I think Tom Cruise is hard to have chemistry with, so I, I think that's part of what the problem was. But I agree. I, I agree that they had no chemistry. I agree that whatever it was that was magical about that experience in the 90s, um, yeah, I don't know. It it It... It missed. It felt that aspect of the story felt very shoehorned in to me. Um, just like, hey, we have to put oh, a, yeah. we have to put a love interest in this. Um, but you're not really buying any of it. They faked it. They 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 went in and said, "There's this shared history 
from years ago that you haven't seen, yeah. but we are going to jump in with both feet and just assume that you'll be as kind of bought into it as you were with him and Kelly McGillis in the first movie. Yeah. Um, and so it was a, it was a trick yeah. and no one cared about it. And, and my son and I on the way home were talking about how like they could have fit a number of additional flying scenes in yeah. <laughs> instead of that. And it would have been much preferred. Yeah. I really, I don't know. And, and the thing is, it's not its not that it's hard to have, maybe it is, but it's not that it's hard to have chemistry with Tom Cruise. Every woman in every Mission Impossible movie it pulls it off. That's true. And the lady in Rain Man, I mean, Renee Zellweger, yeah. obviously, in uh, Jerry Maguire, just great chemistry there, right? And, and this woman, Jennifer Connelly, has great chemistry in those two 90s movies I mentioned. Yeah. With the uh, Say What Again guy from Pulp Fiction, mm-hmm. who's like the dorkiest guy in the world, and the cardboard cutout, chiseled jaw, like reciting the lines off a cue card guy from The Rocketeer. So I think she's just lost the passion for yeah. it. Or something happened in there where, I don't know, she just seemed like she was phoning it in. She was she was doing it all at like 60%. Her heart wasn't in it. It's like she lost that love and feeling, if you will. Like <laughs> Val Kilmer seemed more p- passionate about being in this movie than her, and he gave all of his lines via typing them on a laptop. Dude, you know what was fun about the Val Kilmer experience in this movie was the 10 minutes that I got to spend trying to convince my son and his 15-year-old friends that, like, for about an eight-year run from the mid-'80s through the early-'90s, Val Kilmer was, like, one of the five hottest people on the planet. Like, hotness and charisma-wise... You couldn't touch Val Kilmer in the late 80s and early 90s, and it's it's hard for them to believe now, but um, that was a fun dad <laughs> moment, just being able to like sell Val Kilmer to them a little bit. I've watched Tombstone with Tristan. He must know what's going on Dude, here. Tristan totally gets it, but I, wa- I watched this movie with Maxim and, uh, oh, okay. and, a, and a handful of his friends, and... You know, they're young kids, man. They don't, they don't get it. They don't, they don't understand and respect the you know, the grandeur that was young Val Kilmer. They were all hung up on the other, like, blonde douche from this movie. Like, the new the new Kilmer um, stand-in, whatever that guy's name is. Um, Hangman. Hangman, who did a, a tremendous job being the, like, you know, uh, air-biting, you know, stare into your eyes and, and, and sort of... Um, you know, some, <laughs> something I think Top Gun brings to the table in droves, and I want to I hear you on this. I want, I want to hear you on whether your life has reflected this in any way and, and to what degree. Top Gun is a movie where 90% of the time it's two dudes staring into each other's eyes like either being threatened by one another or challenging one another's authority. And I feel like the movie spends an inordinate amount of time dealing with that dynamic in a way that uh, like I'm a dude and I've been in workplaces for the last 25 years in my life. And I, I feel like I spend very little time doing that, but I'm always really drawn in by it in the Top Gun movies. What are your thoughts? My, my head elder here and I uh-huh. uh, spend a lot of time doing that. Just, you know, a lot of really intense staring, <laughs> um, air biting, yeah. kind of like wink and, and blow a kiss in like a threatening way. Yeah. Um, you know, that, that, I think that's normal. Yeah. That's normal male interaction. <laughs> that guy was 100% not the next Val Kilmer, though. We will never see that guy again. Yeah. 
I feel like he was a little one-dimensional. You know, he was a little one-note. And um, even even back then, even in the original Top Gun, like you saw, there there was more meat left on the bone with with Val Kilmer. Like you knew he was going to go on and and do some things that were interesting. I want to talk about another movie star though, and this is a this is like a hobby horse that I'm on now due to another thing that we're watching. I think Miles Teller is a real movie star. I think he may be the real movie star for a while. And I have some reasons for this, but I, I want to hear you on that on that just general thesis. Are you in on Miles Teller as a movie star? Can I ask a question? Yeah, go. Who is Miles Teller? Miles Teller is the guy who played uh, Goose's kid. He played Rooster. Rooster was like a, a known Rooster is a known actor. Dude, this dude's been in a... From what? He's been in a bunch of awesome stuff. So he was in a movie called War Dogs with Jonah Hill. Oh, I've seen that several yeah, times. War yeah. Dogs is fun. That was Miles Teller. Who was he in that? Uh, he was like the apprehensive, normal guy who ends up being like uh, lured into a life of... Wait a minute. He was like the Sly Stallone guy? I've seen that guy in a bunch of stuff. I didn't put two and two together. The mustache Dude, yeah. He's super charismatic. And he's interesting because... I think his voice is deep enough and his shoulders are broad enough. You can see him carrying a gun, carrying a cigarette, carrying a cocktail. Like he's, he's uh, buyable doing all those things. And he has like some emotional range where his characters all kind of run this arc of they're a little bit self-doubting and apprehensive in the beginning, but like the storyline unlocks like the inner alpha in those characters. And, um, similar to what happened in Top Gun. So we're watching this thing on Paramount Plus called The Offer. It's about the making of the movie The Godfather. And Miles Teller plays the guy who produced The Godfather. And um, he's just super good in it, man. He's super compelling and charismatic. And and yeah, I'm just, I'm enjoying the experience a lot. Huh. I I, I liked that guy in War Dogs. I liked him in uh, 21, if it's the same guy, same guy. I assumed they just had an Anthony Edwards lookalike contest. Yeah. And uh, whoever won got the part because he looked so stinking much like him with that mustache. Yeah. yeah. Gosh, yeah. I didn't. He wants to put on some muscle or something. I remember that being kind of wiry in War Dogs. Dude, yeah, he's, he's a good movie star. I think he's like more interesting than like, um, oh, who's the kid? His name's Tom. He's in everything now. Tom Holland. Um, uh-huh. He doesn't do anything for me. Tom Hiddleston doesn't do anything for me. They're both a little dainty to be like movie stars, I think. Um, of the Ryans, I think Ryan Reynolds is boring and Ryan Gosling is a little like too art house by half. Um, I don't know. I think I think this Miles Teller is going to hit in the wheelhouse of like doing fun movies, but being a good actor. And um, that's what you need. I'm I'm into it. Um, now, we've, we've been talking about for, for ages how there's not really a kind of top tier, a list of movie stars like there was when we were, like when Top Gun came yeah. out. Like I, I read recently about how there's, um, they were struggling to figure out post MCU age, you know, how are they going to keep movies profitable? Is Hollywood going to move? Are they going to have to shut down movie theaters? And and I read that like the, the names people are asking for and automatically greenlighting uh-huh. are the same people from 25 years ago, including Tom Cruise. Interesting. Like it's, there isn't, they haven't passed the torch at all. Yeah. And it seems like there's a new crop of people in their 30s 
every two years, yeah. and, and they never really kind of land in it. Like, like uh, DiCaprio is now probably almost 50, right? Yeah. Um, even Jonah Hill, yeah. he's, he's older. Yeah. I love these guys, but like, the, who are the, you know, who, the, the guys who Harrison Ford and, and Tom Cruise were when they were 30, yeah. where are they? Yeah. And so you're saying, do you think this guy's one of them? I do. I think, dude, to me, and this is important to me for a movie star, I want to hear you on this. He passes the like, drop him into any era test for me. Like, you could put him in The Godfather mm, yeah. as Santino and it would work. You could put him in Rocky as Rocky and it would work. That would definitely work. You could put him in The Die Hard as John McClane and it would work. He could be Lloyd Dobler. Stop yeah. talking. No. Nobody can be John no, I McClane. I know. It's sacrilege. Um, you know what I mean, though? The, like, you could put this guy in any era as a movie yeah, star. Yeah, I got you. You put, you put him in a big new sweater, yeah. he looks at home. You put him in a tank top, lifting weights, he looks exactly. at home. Yeah, yeah. But to be the movie star, you can't be like... I, I become someone right. else guy. That's Then you're a really good actor, but you're going to be in a different yeah. category. The movie star kind of plays himself, just slightly different versions, maybe does an accent here and there, but usually it's a known quantity. So you can say, it, it, it's like the, the day when you'd say, I'm going to see that Kevin Costner yeah. movie. You wouldn't even say I'm going to see, and then the name right. of the movie. I'm going to go see that Tom Cruise movie. Because you knew, I go see Tom Cruise movies because I like Tom Cruise exactly. movies. Exactly. And I don't know if we've... I mean, no one says I'm going to go see that Chris Evans yeah, movie. Exactly. Yeah, I couldn't pick Chris Evans out of a lineup. Chris <laughs> Pine? Couldn't pick him out of a lineup. Yeah, the Chris's are all boring. <laughs> what about Chris Christopherson? You know him, Oh, right? Chris Christopherson. Absolutely. Chris Pratt, though? Where are we at on him as a movie star? <laughs> oh, I really like him. I like him, too. I, I like him a lot, but I think he's good at being Chris Pratt. I'm not sure he's a good movie star, but he's, his movies are fun. Um, you know what I like? What? I like most of all when uh, he was a, a catcher and he blows out his elbow oh, and then he's a dude. first baseman and then he doesn't do well and then he hits that freaking home run yeah. and everything goes slow-mo and I'm, I, I get all the tinglies. That's what I like. I can't throw the ball anymore. Scott, you've thrown your last ball from behind home plate. Yeah, dude, classic. I could, I could just do all the lines from that movie. I love it. Hey, Ted, do you have any kids? <laughs> yeah, a daughter. <laughs> so good, dude. <laughs> yeah, like that's another example. There's no Brad Pitts now, dude. Right? No, like, no. We need a new a new crop. Like like the other big movie. So I went to see this this Tom Cruise movie, yeah. uh, and the other big movie that was that had a preview going uh -huh. was um, what is it called? Bullet Train or whatever. This new uh, Brad Pitt movie. So it's these guys. Dude, did you see it? Was it awesome? No, it's not out yet. But like, oh, okay. the, the guys in their fifties and sixties are still the ones who are yeah. You know, writing their own their own check and and you know decide taking their pick of the roles that are out there. Absolutely, dude. Absolutely. Yeah. No, it's crazy. Hey, it's me, Chris, longtime friend of the program. Here to tell you about Mukwano Coffee. I love this coffee so much. I could just strangle a guy with a piano string just to get a cup. But don't take my word for it. Listen to this anonymous testimony from a happy customer. Hi, my name is Zach, and uh, a few months ago, I joined this Facebook group called Coffee and Calvinism, and it was all about like specialty coffees. And I noticed right away that these coffee snobs in the group were mocking people for drinking like Black Rifle coffee and Death Wish coffee and stuff, and. Honestly, I was pretty sure that I was in over my head with these, these snobs and that I wasn't up to snuff snob-wise. 
And then one day I was like, screw it. And I just typed, you know what? My favorite coffee is Muquano coffee. And I kid you not, the snobbiest snob in the group responded, finally, a new member who actually knows what specialty coffee is. Yeah, that's right. I thought I was standing up to the snobs of the world, but I was actually standing in solidarity with them. And I encourage you to do the same thing. Thank you for that. Get on the computer and head over to McQuanoCoffee.com and buy a bag, a two, a start, a coffee subscription, so you can drink nothing but the best organic, free trade, fresh roasted coffee imaginable. Wow. So I wonder what you thought of John Hamm's involvement in this. And the like the John Hamm experience in, in Top Gun Maverick. John Hamm, I'm always happy to see. Yeah. But talk about being a one-note kind of actor. I mean, there was one time on Saturday Night Live where he played this like weird, like greased-up saxophone player who would <laughs> pop up out of nowhere and go, Sergio. Uh-huh. And it made me laugh really hard. Every other time I've seen him on anything, he, he's just playing Don Draper. Yeah. Um, which isn't him playing John Hamm because I've seen him interviewed and he's like a regular funny guy. Yeah. But he's always like too intense and kind of uh, scoldy. And yeah. it's like that same episode of SNL, they threw him in um, as <laughs> an extra student uh, at Bayside High uh-huh. in uh, Saved by the Bell. And like... You know, like Zach's like, hey guys, I'm doing this uh, crazy zany thing. And Jesse Spandle's like, oh, I'm caught on all these caffeine pills. Uh, uh. And he's like, calm down. And, I love and, it. and you know, tells them all just to, to, to uh, get, it, get their crap together. Yeah. And I don't know, is that, I'm sure he'll be rich for the rest of his life. Yeah. I, loved, I loved a particular movie I just saw him in a little while ago. It was the, the one like, major studio movie or major director movie with a, a full cast and big names that was made during the actual lockdown mm. of uh, uh, COVID. It was called No Sudden Move. Did you see that? No, I'd, I've never heard of it. Dude, it has. Uh, it, it was on HBO Max because it didn't wind up going you know, to theaters. Yeah. But it had um, David Harbour from Stranger Things and, oh, yeah. and all that stuff. Uh, it had uh, Cheadle, uh, Bernicio Del Toro. Oh, wow. And uh, John Hamm and Kieran Culkin. Yeah. It was great. Dude, that sounds awesome. He's a cop. He's either a cop, he's a businessman, he's an official of some kind who stands for the rules and the way things should be. And I don't know. I mean, if you need that in your movie, John Hamm's the best way to get it. Yeah. But I don't know how many movies need that, right? I think he'll, uh, he might take that title belt from Ed Harris, the like uh, cranky bureaucrat title belt. Absolutely. You know that he kissed the ring when he saw him. He was like... <laughs> What you are, I will one day be. What I am, you once were. Exactly. Exactly. Ed Harris, talk about a boring career, man. Oh, my gosh. That's true. Yeah, that's true. I wouldn't want that career. Even when he's like the crazy, like, nuclear bomb happy bad guy, it's because he's Ed Harris at the beginning, like, standing at a grave, like, gravely speaking. Yeah. And you're like, okay, this could be fun, but you're you're sucking all the fun out of there, Ed. Yeah, definitely. did you see? Did you see the hours? No. It's a Virginia Woolf movie. It's in like several time periods. No. Um, <laughs> Ed Harris tried to go like way outside of his, uh, you know, typecast for that and do something really crazy so that you know he'd be offered different roles. Yeah. And at one point, spoiler, everyone, if you haven't seen this movie in the last twenty years and you're planning on it, uh, skip ahead thirty seconds. He like 
there's a scene where it's supposed to be the saddest and like horrible thing, but he's sitting in a windowsill. Uh huh. And and he says, I don't remember what he says, but some like allegedly goosebump walk away or fall away line. Yeah. And then just like tips over and falls out the window and commits suicide. <laughs> and something about the way he did it struck me wrong. And I I laughed so hard. And Aaron got so mad because uh, it was kind of the climax of the movie. And I was like, they should have got a different guy than Ed Harris. He's just, I, I feel like in real life, he's like the, the guy with the Confederate daddy who's trying to find the artifact before Nicolas Cage does <laughs> so that he can keep the status quo in place. Exactly. Exactly. Now that's funny, dude. Where are you at on Cruz's die job? Like, I feel like for the last five to ten years, I've watched Cruz movies and I've been tracking his hair and waiting for him to, like, acknowledge that he's aging in any way. Like, just a little salt and pepper on the temples. And we're, <laughs> we're not getting it. We're not getting anything of the sort. Um, the Cruz die job never fails to, like, slay me in these contexts. Is that... Is that something that moves like the thought needle for you at all? Do you do you think about it at all? Uh, you know, he did one movie with Jamie Foxx called Collateral where he had silver hair. Dude, that's right. That did happen. It looked awesome on him. Yes. It looked amazing. Yeah. And I don't know if that was like a, a affected dye thing back then or if they just stopped dyeing his hair for a while. Mm -hmm. But I don't notice it. I don't think about it. He looks so good yeah. that I guess my my mind buys it. Yeah. And I'm sure, you know, rather than buying just for men in a box, he's probably paying 1200 bucks a week to keep it brown yeah. and believable. Yeah. It's, it doesn't look like there's any plugage involved there or anything that makes me go, oh my gosh. You know, remember when we realized <laughs> Steven Seagal had been starting to like kind of recede? Yeah. And then all of a sudden it was just like, gajung. There was like a hard line on his forehead. It looked like somebody drew it with a Sharpie. It was a new widow's peak that he didn't have before, yeah, and now yeah. it went down like to between his eyes, and you're like, what is this? I know. <laughs> Tom oh. Cruise just looks good, though. I, I think that it looks believable, and his, I mean, like, like his face. I don't know if, if he's getting some of the, like, Scientology secrets, or they, like, are, like, sucking youth out of, like, some of the recruits and pumping it into him, or what, yeah. but, like, the only wrinkles he has make him look more handsome. Yeah, you know, when he, and... When he's a seminary professor, you know, that'll, that'll serve him well. <laughs> <laughs> Have you gone to TomCruise.org, his yeah, website? Yeah, TomCruise.org. It's, it's really just some pensive pictures of him and, a, and a, like a contact me box. But it's, uh, it's a good time. I spent a lot of time navigating that today. That was my show prep, you know? <laughs> hey, question, question on the thing that we're alluding to that we can't, that we, that we can't say out loud. Um, uh -huh. knowing this other person and you, you know, this other person as I do, like, do I have any leeway to like rip the website on my other podcast or should that be a hands off thing? I don't think it would be worth the, the blowback yeah. and just along the lines of like being a, a, a decent person. I know that, that you would feel bad afterwards yeah. And probably rightly so, because when somebody like hires someone to make a website mm -hmm. and like poses for the pictures and then launches it, and you kind of put yourself out there, yeah. I I don't know. I feel like you would feel bad. I would feel if bad. You, you, you'd, you'd think about these things after the fact. You'd lay in bed later, and, and you'd think, man, I shouldn't have done that. Um, and with you and me, you could just text me at 3 a.m. like you have before and said, hey, take that thing that I said about <laughs> X out yeah. before you post that podcast. Yeah. But since 
you know, it would be a more direct line of communication. You wouldn't be able to Dude, do see, that. Dude, this is this is good. Um, this this is good feedback. I mean, I think you can you can make fun of it on your other other podcast. Yeah, I think I could. I think I could, and I think I'll probably <laughs> make fun of it in much the same way that you and I are making fun of it now. Um, in a veiled question, but, are you going to do a Top Gun episode on that one? I don't know. Pro- well, probably the Top Gun episode, each of them. You know, um, I'll probably start a new oh, podcast boy. just All so right. I can do a Top Gun episode on that too. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get. You know what? I'm going to move quick. This is motivation for yeah. me to get this thing posted. Absolutely. Toot sweet. So it'll be the first time you say all this. Exactly. Things. No, that'll be good. That'll be good for sure. I want to know what you think of the hair. I mean, you, you mentioned that it, it kind of makes you laugh, but do you think that he's, you think it's sad? Do you think that he's kind of in denial here and, and it would be more authentic and, and maybe more manly for him to stop getting a yeah, dye? Yeah, that's where I'm at on it 100%. Like, it's, it's not so much sad because like, in a very real way, I don't care what Tom Cruise does with his life. He can do whatever he wants with his hair, and he can even, like, struggle with aging in whatever way he needs to struggle with it. But, like, as far as the viewing experience, it just strikes me as deeply ridiculous. Like, I want to see... Okay, so if he's going to insist on continuing to dye his hair in movies, I want to. I want the scene where he's getting it dyed. I want to see a salon scene. I want to see... <laughs> I want, I want to see two and a half minutes in a salon chair, or I want to see him like working working the just for men into his scalp, like in the shower. You know, I, I want to I want a hair dye scene. You know, is that too much to ask? In the in the spirit of honesty, you know. Along those lines, though, that means you also need to watch like two and a half hours of like skincare regimen, and yeah, right, yeah. like. Also, you need to, I mean, but here's the thing, like, when they show, like, a movie that shows somebody like that working out, even in a quick montage or just a quick cut, like, before they show him sit down to dinner, they show him, like, on the treadmill, running really hard, and then he's coming out of the shower, and then he sits down, you're like, oh, okay, that's why it looks like that. Rather than, like, oh, guess what, The Rock is, you know, he teaches archaeology at (laughs) UNM, and he looks like that, but he doesn't spend nine hours a day in the gym. It just doesn't make sense. Along those same lines, yeah, you know, if, if you're going to explain why we're dealing with what, like, or, or, or even, like, uh, there's never a line that's like, oh, yeah, I moved from Austria to central Texas and became the sheriff of this small town because blah, 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 my <laughs> grandson or something. Yeah. I mean, like, it's just like, oh, no, everyone just, no one questions that uh, this, this guy has that accent. I know. And he's like, you're like, well, what I do wrong, officer? And he's like, you are speeding. So, yeah, I think in the same line of, like, create a cohesive world for this, this character and this yeah. story, yeah, show him, show him taking some time yeah. in the salon, show the vanity, and, and, you know, I think to some degree we expect the people we see on screen to be a little more polished, yeah. although lately I've noticed with how high-def the cameras yeah. are, you can feel a little better about your skin coming out of a movie because almost always you see, like, makeup spackled over... Like Dude, you're so right. Forehead blemishes. Yeah, you're so right. And yeah, with with all these developments in camera technology, it's almost like a like a mixed blessing, you know. Yeah, it it almost shatters the illusion of perfection that we used to get out of movies. You know what I mean? So yeah, even though like those little things, I find myself like being hung up on them more and more than I than I used to be. This reminds me of another conversation I wanted to have with you. 
Um, did you end up ever seeing that stupid Sandra Bullock movie, the one where Brad Pitt had a cameo where it was like a action romance comedy? Is this Channing Tatum and Sandra Bullock? Yeah, the thing with Channing Tatum. Yeah. I didn't, and now that I just learned from you that that was just a Brad Pitt cameo and that he's not like the third guy on the call sheet, then I'm yeah. glad I didn't. I can't stand Channing Tatum. I think he's boring. Dude, okay, so I went and saw it because I thought Brad Pitt was the third guy on the call sheet. Um, I was mistaken. And it, and it it was an enjoyable 90 minutes. I enjoyed the movie. Um, but it did a thing that I want to run by you. And now that you're not going to see it, um, I feel like we can talk about this. It was so wink, wink, nudge, nudge, self-referentially, like it was almost spoofing like the movie that you were watching. And mm. I didn't know if I was like allowed to like it. You know what I mean? Um, or if I was just sort of being invited to be too cool for it or too smart for it. And it made me really want an earnest action romance. You know what I mean? Like, cause I was, I was down for the premise of the movie. Like I was, I was ready to like it, but it was so sort of, um, self-aware that I couldn't, I couldn't fully like it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And more and more, I find like, it's not even the, for me, it's not even just the self-reference and the holding the mirror up to the camera. You know what I mean? Like the whole yeah, movie yeah, breaking. Yeah. If your whole movie is going to break your fourth wall, you can do yeah. it well and it can be funny. I mean, even like this is Spinal Tap and stuff going way back. Right, has kind right, of that right, right. vibe to it. But like lately, I feel like they're not doing that well and they're doing it lazy yeah. and they're doing it instead of jokes. Instead of yeah. like along with jokes. Yeah. Just like it's it's clever because we did this. Therefore, laugh and haha. And, and I mean, A, it sounds like Top Gun was the antidote to that because it yeah. was a straightforward, even though the, the romantic part didn't work. So it wasn't. Yeah, a, a the rest of it was action. real, like emotionally straightforward. And I, I actually love that about it. And I want to ask you this about Top Gun. Did you get emotional at the end? Because I did. Um, yeah, whatever I got emotional throughout. Dude, the moment they started playing Danger Zone over the opening credits, I got emotional. Totally, dude. Yeah, whatever like emotional heartstrings they were trying to pull, it totally worked. Now, it did not work for KK. Um, she really? didn't hate the, yeah, she didn't hate the movie. She enjoyed it. But she was basically like, that was a mid-tier Jane Austen movie for dudes. You know what I mean? It was like dudes flying planes, dudes like challenging each other's manhood by staring at each other and sizing each other up. And to her, it was just kind of, a little bit boring. And I, I, huh. I assent to that as being true while at the same time I went all in and I really enjoyed it and it made me emotional in all the right ways. Well, in a vacuum, yeah, it's not like high art or anything, but right. like with the actual backdrop of, you know, the 80s, um, you know, Top Gun, Iron Eagle, Iron Eagle 2, Firebirds, yeah. you know, all these things that were like <laughs> part of that kind of vibe. Yeah shouting chappy while he gets blown up. Like, all that, all that, you know, being part of how we became men watching these movies, um, yeah. thinking about honor and courage and, and all that yeah. stuff, um, you know, kind of trying to find our values and then having movies sort of lose all that and, and then yeah. coming back to that and not having it have, like, the woke moment or the annoying yeah. agenda pushing or anything, just, like, 
the, if there were any values at all, it was just like USA, 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 shot at the top of your lungs 20 times. And yeah. I don't know, I remember reading that, uh, talking to maybe, I think it might have been Paul Newman in The Color of Money or something. Somebody got him like kind of uh, feeling bad about this jingoistic movie. Um, yeah. no, and so he made, he made Born on the Fourth of July as a like penance for it. Yeah. Um, and then obviously at some point he realized he was, that was kind of youthful overreacting or, or something. Um, yeah. even though that's a decent movie too, I guess, but, uh, yeah. to see him back in the saddle doing this, just like meat and potatoes, eighties action movie, you know, it didn't even do the stuff that I liked about Cobra Kai where they kept that vibe, but also riffed on it and goofed on it. They yeah. just kept the vibe and did it 110%. Yeah, and, and Calvin and I were talking on the way home about how ninety nine percent of the the plot, even you could have, we could, you and I could have written, uh, stayed ten scenes ahead and written a synopsis of this movie, right? Sure, they're gonna get sure. shot down. He's gonna <clears throat> rescue. All right, by the way, spoilers. <laughs> yeah, he's gonna rescue uh, Goose's son. Then Goose's son is gonna save his life. Then they're gonna team up and become yeah. best friends and get out of there in the F fourteen. And then the douche is gonna early. come like. Um, yeah, yeah, kill the save last the day. Yeah, 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 yeah. Didn't matter. I loved it all the same. Um, yeah. and, and you know, so that seems like partially it was the antidote for that uh, that Channing Tatum. Turd. Dude, no, you're you're right, a hundred percent. Yeah, hundred percent. It was earnest. It was what. Yeah, it was kind of what the heart wanted, you know, so to speak. And, you know, to to your point of we got emotional about all that stuff, why do you think that is? Like, you and I have never, we've never flown jet planes. We probably never will. Right. Um, we were never in the service even. Yeah, never in the service even. But, like, there's something, like, deeply connective about all that stuff to me and I think to you. What 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 do you think that is? A big thing was I saw Top Gun with my dad 10 times. Yeah. And, well, maybe not 10, but probably five. You know, we had yeah. it on VHS tape. Uh, yeah. And now I'm watching the next one with my son. That's a big oh, part of it, I yeah. think. Yeah, absolutely. And it absolutely. was it was a world, like, I mean, it wasn't like the the world of military structure or the Cold War or anything I'm yearning for. But yeah, even yeah. though the Cold War's back. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, um, yeah, they missed that opportunity to have Tom Cruise yeah. blowing up some comments. Yeah. But, um I think it's just yeah. like a simpler world where good guys are yeah. good guys and bad guys are bad guys. The bad guys, mm. you can't even see their faces because only the bad guys wear like the opaque, uh, you know, Darth Vader helmets where you can't even see their eyes. And, well, uh, and that was a, you know, that was an elegant way of not having to deal with the, like the ethnicity issue in any way, right. shape or form, you know, <laughs> <laughs> again, there were boomers behind me being loud. So maybe I missed it, but were they, they were like Iranian or who, who where was this I didn't get thing? It. Even? I don't like think I, they ever said. And I think, I think <laughs> it was a secret. I don't think you can say, you know, you can't say anymore what they are, but they're just bad right. guys. <laughs> oh, but <laughs> they, were, they were bad guys, but, but like there was no, there was no extra level of overcoming your cisgender outdated, yeah. you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. It was just like, Here's a bunch of people. We don't care about anything but the fact that they've got big personalities. Some of them are going to make the team. Some of them aren't. They're, you know, they're crashing into each other, and they got a job to do. That's the kind yeah. of movie I can get behind. Oh, I agree. That's well said. Yeah, and I, I, I feel like we need more of that kind of movie. I would, I would be you know, eager to watch that kind of movie once a month. Um, yeah, well, sure. and don't you think that like a Christian movie pushing like a, even... 
usually kind of a crappy false gospel, but even when they do a yeah. good job of like portraying the gospel and it's done cheesily and you go, ah, oh, just make a movie with excellence and put some redemptive themes in it. And, you know, don't you think that that's kind of on equal footing with even like a uh, Oscar contender that is sitting there just shoving an agenda down your throat? I'm so tired of these. I'm so tired of all of it. Um, and so it was, it, it was nice. It was nice to have a little break from it and be able to pretend it was 1986 again. The music was oh, 100%. great. It was so good. And, and so I was going to ask you though, like, so what, what would have been like the, you know, a plus version of the romantic action movie you're talking about? Because that's a, that's an overlap that they don't do nearly as much as kind of the romantic comedy. You think like Dude, Romancing honestly, the Stone or... Honestly, Die Hard is the A-plus version of it for me because I really buy the whole McLean's kind of on the outs with his wife at the beginning and he's and he's kind of trying to save the building to save the building, but he's kind of trying to save his marriage. And um, yeah. I don't know, I, that, that really resonates with me, even though they don't spend a lot of time together on screen, obviously. Um, so yeah, just right off the top of my head, it's probably Die Hard. But yeah, it would probably more traditionally be romancing the stone or something like that where they're in this madcap sort of situation and they as a result they kind of uh grow, grow together as as a result um but yeah I, w- I would i i totally agree with what you're saying um yeah i'm tired of going to the movies to get a sermon and top gun was a great um just kind of a great break from that um really enjoyable hey can i can I bring up two more things that, that were on that, that list here that we didn't get to? Yeah, please Real do. Real quick. <laughs> Does this movie re- resurrect mustaches? Yeah. I want to <laughs> talk about that because I, I feel like I'm seeing more mustaches, and I wonder if it's like correlative with, with the mustache work that happened in this movie. I, I don't know. The, the movie was made in 2019, I think. So I don't know. It would have been a, an a unusual timeline if, if it was... Yeah. An impetus behind that. I feel like mustaches have been around semi-ironically for for hipsters for yeah. like ages now. I mean, like Upwards the hipsters of a who had those. Yeah. Yeah. Now they're all like uncool dads that you know still have them and they're no longer ironic. But like the mustaches in that movie, I feel like we're just a nod to eighties eighties naval mustaches. And by yeah. that, I don't mean a mustache on your navel, but like one <laughs> in the navy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I want to talk about a dining experience that I had that made me feel like I was in 1986, and I loved it. Yeah. Um, when we were in Vegas last week, we went to this place called the Golden Steer Steakhouse. Um, okay. It was an old Sinatra hangout, and it's been around for decades. It's off the strip. The wait staff's been there like 30 years. The kitchen staff's been there forever. And the way that they... Even the way that they plated the food was very old school. You know how you go to like a new school restaurant now and like the meat is all sort of stacked upon itself and drizzled in something unknown and it's very it's very like Instagrammable. Um, uh-huh. Yeah. But this place, man, like you go to it, you order this huge steak, it comes out like on its own plate, just swimming in its own juices and everything about this place, there was, the only music that was playing was Sinatra. Like there was a dress code um, you weren't allowed to wear like, um, I don't know, tennis shoes and, and like ball caps. And the, so it had, it had a real classy vibe, only Sinatra music, old school plating and presentation of the food. 
I felt like I was in 1986 and I loved it. Dude, I love I love what you're describing, especially the dress code. Like, yeah, I love the dress code. I don't want to see there, the word juicy are... written across someone's bottom while I'm trying to eat a steak. <laughs> you know what I mean? Bottom. Yeah, <laughs> no, and, and you just don't want to be... Like, the place that, that we go in mm-hmm. town when you and your wife visit, right? We always, like, throw some low-grade chum at the kids, and then yeah. we... The four of us go, we get a steak on gut check, uh, and that place is, it's nice, it's got great atmosphere, it's uh, pricey, it's got wonderful food, all the stuff that you'd think would kind of keep out the riffraff, and then there's definitely going to be somebody in like ripped jeans and a, you know, flannel shirt at the next table, killing the whole Mm. vibe. And I'm not, you know, necessarily pushing for the days when people dressed up to get on an airplane, but like... The idea of you have to have a jacket and tie on to come in here, or at least, you know, you have to have jacket and, and I almost said slacks, although that's a word that I don't really use. Uh, but, you know, like, <laughs> y- you got to at least gotta yeah. pull yourself together a little bit yeah. for, this, for this meal, because it's a special one. It, yeah. it, it really appeals to me. And, like, just like the old school vibe of going out as it's the product. Not the, yes. not the pictures you're going to take are the product. The yes. experience here... No one's going to, um, also, no one's going to, like, squat down next to me so their face is three inches from mine and, like, talk to me like we're pals. They're going <laughs> to, no, they're a waiter. They're a professional waiter. They're going to yeah. act like Dude, that. I love professional waiters. I love the concept of a, of a professional waiter. He's not trying to be an actor, not trying to get a one-act play produced. Like, I'm a waiter. This is my job. Um, those yeah, guys I'm really are good at it and I, and I do it at a great place that yeah. I can you know I'm proud of mm-hmm. and I make a crap ton of tips so like you know people are jealous of <laughs> how, how well yeah. I'm doing this job and stuff I feel like when they passed the smoking ban and you could no longer you never you mm-hmm. no longer had smoking and maybe they didn't do this everywhere but they did it in most places they did it in, in Michigan 15 years yeah. ago or so I feel like buried in like the the fine print was some kind of thing that said, also, in, in addition to being smoke-free, restaurants are going to be just monumentally less classy from here on out. Yeah, no, I know it, man. Yeah, it definitely seems to be like um, the, those two things were connected somehow, for sure. Um, I don't know why they would be. I hated smelling smoke in restaurants, but if I smelled it now, I think it would strike me as, as nice and nostalgic. It would, it would hit you as nostalgic, because you know there would be like an old-timey cigarette machine somewhere, and that would be, that would be cool to see. Um, Baby, anything else? I feel like it took us a little while to hit our stride, but then when we, we got into it, yeah. we really got into it. Um, Let me ask you this. Before I read, I want to read this card that I got from uh, Rudy. This is what I call <laughs> Ruddy's daughter. Love it. Um, but uh, managing expectations for the, for the listener. Mm-hmm. Wh- what are we going for here? Last time we came back for like two times, right? <laughs> yeah. They were fine. They were good. We said we're back. We're bye. We're back. Yeah. Um, we weren't we weren't back. And I think that we shouldn't I think we shouldn't put the pressure on ourselves. Yeah. I know that um so I'm recording a a podcast for the the Pilgrim's Progress uh thing that I'm doing that I'm committed to doing for at least another year and a half. Mm-hmm. Um I've got, you know, people who've who've funded it and I and I and I'm really believe in it. I think mm-hmm. it's great. Mm-hmm. Uh and and so it makes it, you know, kind of hard to do this really regularly. Mm-hmm. I know that you've got uh, the Happy Rant, which you've been doing mm-hmm. since slightly before the Gut Check podcast, and then that one guy slipped in and, and stole you away from me mm-hmm. after the fact. Um, I'm, I'm not going to say his name, and 
someday we're going to fight over this. But, uh, <laughs> I love it. Pistols at dawn. Oh, dude. I don't have like the fat guy strength that he has, mm -hmm. but uh, I've got all the rage to draw on, you know? Yeah, it's you like, do have a lot of rage. That would be a good fight. The British army was was better equipped than the Minutemen, but they were defending their home, you know, mm. and something mm -hmm. that had been precious to them forever. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And the British just showed up trying to, like, increase the size of their empire by adding another colony. And I'm, <laughs> I mean, as I'm saying this, the whole thing actually fits really well. It does. So it's like Hamilton versus King George, knuckles to knuckles. At any rate... You're like, we, the, you're like the Mel Gibson in The Patriot in this analogy. Oh, yeah, like a, and he's the Cornwallis. Yeah, you're wearing like a low colonial ponytail, you know, running through the countryside. I'm, I'm into it. I'm asking my kids if they know how to tell the difference between the enlisted men and the, the officers. <laughs> exactly. Those kids definitely had PTSD and probably at least one of them committed suicide at some point. So, 100%. But it was a great movie. Yeah. Um, anyway, I think that it might be uh, a better idea just to say when we have something to podcast and we both kind of will know when it yeah. should be the gut check podcast yeah. to assess it uh that we'll do it here and we'll come out with another one yeah i uh, like that. and it'll be like another season of arrested development rather than every single year that's eh, right we'll hit you with one when we want to i don't want to paint us into a corner of of having to do it all the time or saying we'll never do it i like the we're in kind of an open relationship right now podcast wise and um i don't like that that makes me sad that that makes me really sad. I don't like I don't like the marital analogies. Okay. That that imply that imply kind of the the unraveling of the marriage. You know. We'll we'll stick with colonial war analogies. Yeah, um, yeah, those are happy. They are they are happy. So if if <laughs> if you're the Mel Gibson in the in the kind of low slung colonial ponytail in this analogy, does that make me the Heath Ledger? You're the land. You're America. I am. I'm America. I'm the land. Yes. I like this. <laughs> and I'm saying this land is my land, and, and uh, this land's not your land. And uh, yeah, so, and so I guess that makes the happy rant like the French. Um, right? That really works. <laughs> We're going to close this episode down with me reading uh, a wonderful card I got, and I'm going to throw it up as the, the episode graphic and perhaps uh, put it on our, our Twitter and stuff. It is from it. Uh, Kevin Rutledge's daughter. So the cover of it is, it's a card, it's a homemade card, mm -hmm. and the cover of it says gut check, and it has lightning and thunderhead clouds. You've seen it, yeah. right? Um, and it says gut check press on the back, also with really cool looking lightning, reminiscent of the Ride the Lightning <laughs> uh, t-shirt that is, I think, still available on Amazon I love if it. you want to get it, Summer of Gut Check. If, if you want to be a nostalgic listener for a time uh, uh, with gut check podcasts were... You know, you, you couldn't swing a cat without hitting one. Uh, so it says, Dear Gut Check, your podcast is amazing. My dad and I enjoy listening to y'all in the car every chance we have. I love getting to hear you talk about my dad, Ruddy. Mm. I will remember to send this to where you live, but not really live. <laughs> and then on the back, it continues, and it says, From Gut Check World Headquarters in the capital city of a boxing glove-shaped state and Gut Check South Command, deep in the belly button above the buckle of the Bible Belt, with your hosts, Ted Cluck and Zach Bartles. Sincerely, Ruddy's daughter, the little girl from episode 47, Beautiful Baby. Oh, wow. Still a beautiful baby. Beautiful writer, too. Like, um, yeah. she, has, she has a real gift with the, with the written word. And what a sweet gesture. You know, you're uh, 
this can feel like a thankless business, Zach. I mean, in as much as, you know, you put out a, a podcast episode every six months and, and the weeks go by and nobody <laughs> says anything nice, but uh, <laughs> this, is a, this is a nice piece of affirmation from, uh, from Reddy's daughter. Love it. And Ted, there was one more thing that I didn't read from the, uh, the email bag. Yeah. And I don't know if you got it or not, but it was uh, a blast from the past from maybe a couple years ago. Some guys suggesting that perhaps they could get us back into the mix. Uh-huh. And that was from the uh, DKers. Oh, the, the DKers, the jugglers. The jugglers. You know, they're, they're... Did you get that email? There are a few constants in our lives, Zach. Death, taxes, <laughs> emails from the DKers. Um, I did get that and, uh, I was, I was excited to receive it. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was nice to see that. And I, I like the, I wear my DKR t-shirt. I sometimes look at your DKR t-shirt that I still haven't <laughs> given you and think Ted will look good in this someday when I give yeah, it to him. I love it. I love it. Zach, we've done what we always do on this podcast in that we have, uh, navigated some issues technologically, um, but we've we've wandered relationally, yeah, yeah. relationally, business issues vis-a-vis the the frequency of our podcast. But I'm, oh no, I lost. I'm glad again. we had this talk. Uh, Dang it! What? Are you there? Are you there, dude? I'm here now. This sucks, dude. You there? I am. I'm still recording. Now this <laughs> this arrangement that we've got here. <laughs> Kind of begs the question. <laughs> if you're recording on your computer and I'm recording on a handheld recorder, why didn't, instead of trying Zencaster and Skype and Skype again, why didn't we <laughs> just call each other on the phone? <laughs> <laughs> Technology that's very easy to use. <laughs> I'm going to suggest that next time, uh, that's what we do. I love it. I love it. That's a... <laughs> That's an elegant solution. It's only taken us eight years to figure this out. <laughs> oh, <laughs> dude. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, <laughs> Zach, we've done what we always do on this program, which is get disconnected several times and get really frustrated and then figure out an elegant solution. <laughs> <laughs> and we will see you. <laughs> Next time. Then pay for <laughs> your best friend's wedding. Call me in the middle of the night. Said, baby, we know where this is heading. Let's make a